I know you work hard to make the best lifestyle choices so you can improve your health, destiny, and longevity, and there's lots of information out there on how to do just that. So where do you start? Well, we start with the facts. Welcome to the Nutrition Facts Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Greger. My job is to bring you the latest peer-reviewed nutrition and health research and share it with you here. Today we have a special edition of Nutrition Facts Q&A, where I answer a wide variety of your questions on YouTube on a cornucopia of topics, including the prevalence of bone fractures in vegans and how to wean yourself off blood pressure medication. Enjoy. I am here in an Airbnb in Los Angeles temporarily while I figure out, uh, kind of as a, as a staging ground to figure out where I'm heading off to, um, to uh, write my next book in 2021. Uh, you know, normally I'm restricted to uh, cities with big airports because I travel so much, but now, since no one's traveling much anymore, I can live anywhere, so with a good internet connection. So if anyone has any good housing leads, for a book retreat, uh, you know, I'm thinking Austin, Seattle, who knows, but I can go anywhere. So let me know if there's a quiet place with good internet uh, you'd recommend. And maybe I'll write my next book in your hometown or hamlet or city or who knows. By next month, hopefully, uh, my uh, next month's uh, live Q&A, hopefully I'll be back on my treadmill and know where I'm going to be in the near future. All right, let's get to your questions, shall we? All right. Um, uh, oh, see, at the beginning, there's so few. Uh, the questions haven't aren't coming in at such a rapid rate. I can actually pick and choose. Um, so, oh, there, there they go. I was going to pick and choose. But now they're flooding in so much, I just have to do my roulette wheel and click on one, and we'll see what pops up in the feed. All right, um, uh, Nutrac asks, am I familiar with Gardein products? And if you are, are they any good? Yes, yeah, so Gardein is um, a manufacturer of plant-based meats, um, uh, uh, famous, I think, for their um, plant-based chicken products. Um, and so I view these plant-based meats. I did a whole webinar, and I have a whole series of videos coming up on it, um, as great stepping stone foods. Not everyone can go kale quinoa overnight, um, but, you know, uh, for someone who you know wants to eat healthier but wants the same texture and mouthfeel and, and uh, a familiar taste that they've grown up with that's where i see the role of things like the impossible burger and beyond meat and all these things coming in helping people transition towards a healthier diet though i wouldn't want people to kind of to, to to stop there to stall there and continue to improving healthier um to improve the healthfulness of their diet by eating as many whole unprocessed plant foods as possible. Next up, uh, Danielle asks, new articles, new articles published on bone fractures in vegans came from the Epic Oxford study recently, I think one or two days ago. Uh, studies often criticized because um, they're looking at uh, a cohort of British vegans. This is the second largest study of vegans in human history. Um, uh, but in the UK, uh, if you do surveys, the number one reason people um, eat plant-based is for like animal uh, welfare reasons rather than health. Um, whereas here in the US, um, where, for example, the largest study of vegans is taking place, the Adventist 2 study, um, people tend to you know, start cutting down on meat, et cetera, because of, uh, for personal health reasons. Um, so over in the UK, 
um, the uh, vegans um, in this study um, are eating kind of junky diets because they're really not caring about their own health. They're just kind of thinking about um, um, uh, kind of animal suffering concerns. Um, and uh, so, but that criticism only goes so far um, because the study, I mean, it's not like the meat eaters aren't eating crap too. And so it's comparing people eating uh, crappy diet of processed foods with or without meat, eggs, and dairy. And so you can see what does that do? Does adding meat, eggs, and dairy to crappy processed foods, um, how much does that um, impinge on one's health? One just can't extrapolate the disease outcomes of that group of vegans to people who are eating more whole food plant-based diets, who, you know, people who are actually eating their vegetables. And it's interesting, the Adventist 2 study is actually diverse. It's um, uh, everybody's eating healthy. Um, uh, and so it's like, what if you actually compare people who actually eat their vegetables or eat their vegetables plus meat, eggs, and dairy? Um, and so then again, you can compare the vegans for meat eaters in the same kind of cohort and see what does adding meat, eggs, and dairy to an overall healthier diet or an overall kind of standard Western diet um, in, in the case of Epic Oxford. Um, and so, but again, you can't necessarily extrapolate the disease outcomes. So, you know, the Inventus 2 study, vegans have so much less cancer, but yeah, but they're also eating healthier. So, you, you know, you can't just eat vegan donuts all day and think you're going to be protected from cancer necessarily. Anyway, so, but um, um, Epic Oxford, I actually um, just, uh, well, a couple of weeks ago, finished a video series on uh, bone health in vegans. Um, this is, of course, before this uh, new study came out. Um, and, uh, you know, Epic Oxford had some preliminary data on bone fracture years ago um, and uh, found, uh, well, let's see, instead we get, in, before we get to the fracture data, if you look at the bone mineral density of uh, uh, vegans versus meat eaters, um, uh, it's lower bone mineral density, but that difference disappears when you control for body mass index. Let me explain what that means. So heavier people have stronger bones. Why? Because they do weight-bearing exercise walking across the living room, right? It's use it or lose it. You, your skeleton is constantly remodeling. And if you uh, impact, if you go out jogging, you do some impactful, uh, you know, you put some, we bear some weight on it, your uh, skeleton gets stronger. Um, and so, uh, you know, so being overweight is like having a 50 pound backpack on all day long. If you had a 50 or hundred extra pounds on your back all day long, your skeleton would get really strong. Um, uh, and so that's why in general, regardless of what you eat, um, those who uh, are obese uh, can have higher bone mineral density. Also having all that excess fat um, for women, well, for men too, increases estrogen levels and estrogen uh, makes for stronger bones. That's why um, women going through menopause um, start losing, accelerate the loss of their um, uh, bone mass because they have less estrogen. But obese women have higher estrogen levels in their blood because there's an enzyme um, in the fat tissues that, uh, that, uh, that produces estrogen, um, which is bad for breast cancer risk, but um, kind of good for bone health. Um, and uh, finally, I mean, if you, just having extra padding, right? It's harder to break your hips if you have a lot of padding between your bone and the sidewalk if you accidentally fall. So th there are a number of reasons why people who are overweight, obese, have less, you know, uh, hip fracture rates, for example. Um, but and so, but if so, if you compare for so you know, vegans tend to be so slender on average. 
Um, and so, but if you compare meat eaters and vegans with at the same weight, then indeed the difference in bone mineral density uh, disappears. So the only reason they have lower bone mineral density is because they're so slender um, overall. Um, and uh, so in the original Epic Oxford, um, uh, the vegans had higher uh, fracture rates, mostly actually wrist fractures. Um, uh, and, and, you know, part of that is not necessarily osteoporotic bone, but you, people who are more active um, tend to have more wrist fractures because they're up playing tennis and stuff and, you know, are, are active individuals. And so, you know, vegans are both slender and so healthy. They're out there, they're active. Maybe they're more likely um, uh, to injure themselves and uh, break a bone as opposed to like vertebral fractures or hip fractures, which tend to be less kind of um, injury related um, uh, or activity related, physical activity related, more um, having to do with uh, having excessively porous bone. But Epic Oxford actually controlled for physical activity levels and still found higher fracture rates among vegans. But that difference disappeared when you control for calcium. So vegans who were getting more than 525 milligrams of calcium a day did not have higher um, rates of bone fracture. And so, um, you know, this is a, a you know a video I did a long time ago saying we just have to make sure we get enough calcium. Where do you get uh, plant-based sources of calcium? almonds and sesame seeds and tofu and uh, uh, calcium fortified plant-based milks. The healthiest source though is dark green leafy vegetables. That's where the cows get their calcium from. But you don't have to eat grass, um, kale, collards, bok choy, um, any of the dark green leafies um, uh, with the exception of spinach, beet greens, and Swiss chard. Fantastic foods, but a little stingy with their calcium. But so anyway, eat your greens. Um, Okay, but the new Epic Oxford study, um, uh, they still found excess fracture rates even after controlling for exercise and even after controlling for um, uh, calcium um, intake um, and um, even after controlling for bone mineral density. So the question is, okay, now what's going on? Um, so we definitely have to go back and uh, redo the video series just because that was done before. Um, but the, the uh, videos aren't even up yet, so that's perfect. And I'm happy to always um, go back when that's the whole point of science is to is to update um, with new data. And so, um, um, uh, so there's a number of hypotheses that uh, that the investigators uh, reached out. So, for example, um, protein intake, um, IGF one, this cancer promoting growth hormone, is it, um, when you eat a lot of protein, you increase your IGF one levels, and so you can increase certain types of cancer. Um, but it is a growth hormone and can cause bone growth as well. But that's unlikely to be the case because plant-based protein associated with much stronger bones than animal. So plant-based protein like beans associated with much uh, denser bones, stronger bones than uh, um, animal-based protein like meat. So um, that doesn't seem to make sense. What about vitamin K? Well, vitamin K um, comes from dark green leafy vegetables, but that's vitamin K1. There's another type of vitamin K called vitamin K2. That's found mostly in animal products like meat and dairy. Could that be um, uh, um, uh, what's going on? Well, we've, there's actually never been um, good evidence that there's any difference between the activities of K1 and K2. So K1 should do everything that K2 does, but it doesn't matter. Why? because we make all the K2 we want. The only reason the cow has K2 is because the cow makes K2 and we have, and because they're mammals. And guess what? We're mammals too. And we make K2, we have an enzyme discovered in 2010 um, that just 
creates K2, no reason to take um, uh, vitamin K2. Um, and so uh, that's not uh, the problem either. Um, uh, probably more likely vitamin D. So this was uh, in Great Britain. Um, and during the, and we'd like to get um, uh, our vitamin blood, vitamin D levels up to about mm, probably ideally 75 nanomoles per liter, which is like, um, uh, you know, uh, 30 uh, nanograms per milliliter, depending on what kind of units you use. And vegans totally nail that in the summer. It's the sunshine vitamin. But during the winter months, and we're creeping into that, um, uh, vegans dip down in the UK. They're at such a high latitude. The sun's rays are at such an angle um, that um, vegans dip down uh, like below 40. Um, so that's like less than like 15 nanograms per milliliter. Um, and that's because um, there are the food, they're not eating food sources of vitamin D like oily fish. Um, and there's just not a lot of sun around. So um, that's why it's important for those getting inadequate sun exposure um, I, look, doesn't matter where you could live in Phoenix. If you never go outside, right, then, then, you know, you, you need to get vitamin D from, from somewhere. And so, um, the vegans are dipping low enough during the summer months, um, on vitamin D that that may, um, play a role. Although at the same time, you know, if you do randomized controlled trials, giving people vitamin D and increasing levels, um, you don't see uh, a benefit in fracture risk. So then that would kind of argue against the vitamin D hypothesis. However, you give them calcium and vitamin D together, you can decrease fracture rates. So it may actually be a combination of the fact that vegans um, in Great Britain dip too low during the winter months and um, may have inadequate calcium intake. And that combination um, is what's uh, causing um, uh, these uh, excess fractures um, or, you know, it could actually be B12. There's a recent uh, systemic, systematic review. You know, they don't uh, supplement organic uh, foods in the UK by law with B12. That's like an added, like, artificial things and by organic standards over there, like the swine milk and, uh, you know, you know uh, plant-based meat and things that would normally have B12 here in the States, um, doesn't have any B12. And so if you're not supplementing it, you're probably not getting it. Um, and so uh, the uh, vitamin B12 deficiency rates among vegans in London is uh, really off the charts. It's really, they, they need to do a better job over there, um, getting people, um, eating plant-based diets to take the B12. But uh, this latest systematic review on B12 and bone um, suggests it's really kind of complicated, the relationship between bone and B12. But complicated is my middle name. That's what you pay me for. That's what you make donations to uh, nutritionfacts.org, the 501c3 um, a nonprofit, um, to do the deep digging and figure out. So I'm going to do a deep dive, just like I did with the stroke data, um, and to come up with serious videos and figure out what's going on with um, those uh, the, the new data. Um, and then I'll get it out to you so we can all be healthy. Okay, next question. Uh, John asks, I've been in your program for six weeks, getting off a blood pressure medication surely, fantastic, lost five pounds, um, uh, but now have plateaued on beta blockers in terms of, um, uh, um, uh, it's one of the blood pressure kind of medications. Um, so I would encourage, uh, so the first thing I think of is excess sodium intake. So you can eat plant-based, um, but uh, still um, get excess sodium. Um, because so many, um, uh, so many, uh, basically, 
almost anything in a, in a, in a can or a box or a bag. Uh, processed foods has a lot of um, salt added to it as a, as a taste enhancer. So I'd encourage you to, um, you know, hit the American Heart Association's um, recommended 1500 milligrams of um, sodium limit, um, uh, which, um, which means basically really uh, cutting out processed foods. Um, and I bet your blood pressure um, will drop to reflect your new healthier diet. I have some videos coming up on potassium salt, potassium chloride, um, and uh, whether or not that, you know, there's a number of salt substitutes on the market, um, whether that's uh, um, a, a good alternative. And spoiler alert, yes, it is. Actually, not just maybe neutral or harmless, but actually helpful, actually beneficial. Um, because uh, many of us don't get enough potassium. Um, so, uh, but the, there's a very important caveat. You have to have the kidneys to handle your kidneys. Um, if you have uh, ailing kidneys, um, kidney dysfunction, kidney failure, you can, uh, uh, the, these salt substitutes are too high in potassium. So, but lots more details coming up in that video. So I think I have a whole series of videos coming up. Um, I've been buffering videos like crazy because I have to come up with a whole year's worth of videos because I got to write the next book. Um, and so I've got uh, just uh, all, all sorts of uh, juicy stuff coming up for you. All right, next up. Ah, uh, Annette is just replying to somebody. Adele. Ah, spoilers. Yes, indeed. Um, uh, Uninot asks, should you wait 30 minutes to an hour before or after eating a meal to drink matcha tea? For oh, that's a great question. Although, I mean, I'll read the whole question just in case. I don't know. You're listening to this as some kind of podcast in the car or something. Um, uh, but for those of you who can't see the screen here, it says, should you wait 30 minutes to an hour before and after eating a meal to drink matcha green tea for optimal nutrient absorption? What we're concerned about is iron absorption. Um, any kind of tea, doesn't have to be green tea, black tea, uh, any of the teas will do it. In fact, coffee does it too, though tea is worse. Um, and indeed, um, you should not drink tea with meals. Um, so, uh, um, uh, 30 minutes to an hour before, absolutely. Probably even longer afterwards. It can take hours for your stomach to empty and you really don't want tea in your stomach at the same time as iron rich foods because it'll actually bind, um, up the iron and will inhibit its absorption. So no tea with meals, um, drink it before, let your um, stomach drain, um, and then wait a few hours afterwards to resume your tea habit. Um, same thing with coffee, but uh, just not as bad. I have some videos coming up on that too. Okay, is fish oil issued with a certificate of analysis proof that there's no PCBs, uh, mercury, and dioxins, a safe source of D, um, uh, DHA? Um, uh, many of these uh, so-called certificates are just bogus. Um, they're not third-party independent. Um, they just, the own company certifies itself, which is uh, kind of slimy. Um, uh, there's certainly, so there's uh, the, the problem, there's distillation techniques where you can distill out some of the heavy metals, but unfortunately uh, many of the pesticides and some of the lighter um, uh, industrial um, toxins uh, just spill over. And so even when you do um, actually uh, look into distilled fish oil, you still see um, uh, uh, pollutants. Unfortunately, you just can't get away from it um, and make an, uh, and still make an affordable um, supplement. So, and the question is like, why would you need fish oil in the first place? There are pollutant-free, um, completely pollutant-free um, uh, uh, sources, um, algae-based, EPA, DHA, or your own body um, can uh, make some from the short-chain omega-3s you get in walnuts and flax seeds and hemp seeds and chia seeds, etc. All right. Thank you, Vladimir, for that question. Next up, M.E. 
asked, is an iodine supplement needed if you eat iodized salt already? Um, uh, no, you should, you probably, if you uh, eat iodized salt, like typical people eat salt, um, uh, you probably getting enough iodine. Um, uh, uh, you, first of all, you should make sure it's iodized. You guys should look at the ingredient list. Um, only about half the salt is uh, iodized and all the, pretty much all the salt used commercially, like, you know, in restaurants and, and processed foods is not iodized. Uh, sea salt tends to be not iodized. All those fancy, silly salts like Himalayan sea salt and stuff, not iodized. Um, and, uh, but I don't think you should eat any iodized salt. Why? Because you shouldn't eat salt. If you do eat salt, definitely do iodized. Easy way to get iodine. But uh, we shouldn't be eating salt because uh, sodium is the number one dietary risk factor for death on the planet Earth. Worst thing about humanity's diet is excess sodium, not only because it increases risk of uh, high blood pressure and heart disease, kidney disease, on down the list. Anyway, so where do you get your iodine from? The healthiest source is sea vegetables like um, uh, nori um, or, um, uh, you know, those nori sheets you can get, you can chew on them at snacks. Um, so two a day, get all the iodine you need. Um, or, uh, you know, like, uh, uh, what is it, like a half, I forget, you'd have to look at the video. I think it's like a half teaspoon of, of dulse or arame, um, really mild seaweeds for people that don't like the seaweedy taste, or like a spoonful of wakame, the, the, what you make seaweed salad with or something like that. Um, those would be the healthiest sources of iodine. Um, and then there's iodine in, in foods grown on the ground, but it depends what kind of uh, soil iodine levels there are. So. Um, you want to get a reliable source, particularly if you're pregnant. So um, critically important that all prenatal vitamins have iodine, and they don't, which is ridiculous. Um, so uh, so make sure your prenatal has iodine, critically important um, for all pregnancies to get. make sure you have enough iodine. Well, anyway, okay, Angelica, history of blood clots and transitioning plant-based foods. Um, well, um, if you, uh, I, I, I'm not sure what your question is, but if you are on a blood thinning medication called Coumadin, um, uh, generic name warfarin, um, then you need to uh, make sure you tight, your doctor titrates the levels of that drug to vitamin K rich foods, dark green leafy vegetables, because uh, so vitamin K is important for blood clotting. So when you take a drug that blocks vitamin K, the action of vitamin K, um, uh, and so then your blood's really thin, but if all of a sudden you eat a big spinach salad and you're, you have so much vitamin K that your drug dose is too low, then all of a sudden your blood can clot again. So if you have a clotting disorder, that can be bad. In which case it's not like you shouldn't eat those greens. You should just make sure you eat the same amount of greens every day and have your, um, doctor titrate up the dose. So it optimally blocks. And then you get all the benefits of greens at the same time, best of both worlds. Um, Maria says, is it right that when you eat animal products, you consume antibiotics and weakening your body? Someone said that when you heat antibiotics, it doesn't work no more. So it doesn't matter if you consume it that way. Um, there are antibiotic residues, um, uh, found in, uh, uh, found in meat. I mean, the primary problem with the use of antibiotics in animal agriculture is it fosters the growth of antibiotic resistant bugs that can then um, and so that's the biggest threat that you'll get some antibiotic resistant infection, either from meat products or from someone who eats meat or from, you know, uh, manure runoff, or there's all sorts of re ways these, um, antibiotic resistant bacteria can infect people regardless of what they eat. So that's the primary problem, but there are antibiotic residues, um, found in the, um, antibiotics themselves. 
Um, uh, but uh, uh, what effect it has on the microbiome or on human health in general, it remains an open question. Uh, so, uh, but uh, if there's anything about that, I'll do videos about it. Okay, next up, NK says, what B12 um, supplement brand do you recommend? So I, I'm glad that NK um, uh, specified cyanocobalamin because that's the best form because it's the most shelf-stable form. Um, uh, and what's the brand? Um, so I recommend you, in terms of supplements in general, um, uh, you can uh, see if they have something called Good um, Manufacturing Practices Seal um, that at least meets some kind of minimal standards um, in terms of supplement manufacturing, but ideally it would be um, uh, uh, UPC certified, which is, um, uh, which is a third-party certifier that actually goes and makes sure that what's in the bottle is actually, what's on the label actually is actually what in the pill. Now, it doesn't mean it's good for you. I mean, I mean, so just because that's on a supplement doesn't mean you should take that supplement, but it just says that, that there's truth in advertising, right? That it says this much B12 and that's how much the pill has. Um, and so that would be the best. So I know, uh, so there's a couple different brands that do that. Um, you just have to look at the actual bottle. I think the one brand's called Nature's Made. Another one's called Kirkland brand, which is like the Costco brand. Um, I think is UPC certified. You'll see the little uh, circle, uh, little uh, seal on those products. And then you just know that you're actually getting B12, B12. We would love it if you could share with us your stories about reinventing your health through evidence-based nutrition. Go to nutritionfacts.org slash testimonials. We may share it on our social media to help inspire others. To see any graphs, charts, graphics, images, or studies mentioned here, please go to the Nutrition Facts podcast landing page. There you'll find all the detailed information you need, plus links to all the sources we cite for each of these topics. For a vital, timely text on the pathogens that cause pandemics, you can order the ebook, audiobook, or the hard copy of my last book, How to Survive a Pandemic. For recipes, check out my new How Not to Diet cookbook. It's beautifully designed with more than 100 recipes for delicious and nutritious meals. And all proceeds I receive from the sales of all my books goes to charity. NutritionFacts.org itself is a nonprofit science-based public service where you can sign up for free daily updates on the latest in nutrition research via bite-sized videos and articles. Everything on the website is free. Uh, there's no ads, no corporate sponsorship. It's strictly non-commercial. I'm not selling anything. I just put it up as a public service, as a labor of love, as a tribute to my grandmother, whose own life was saved with evidence-based nutrition.